Would you listen to yourselves? You all are so busy trying to clear your conscience, you just don't get it. This is our fault. All of it. Oh, don't be so hard on yourselves. Accidents happen. Actually, I want to thank you. Because of you, I'm not that same scared, insecure girl I used to be. Now I know what I want. Tamara. We need to talk about what happened. Hey, Chloe and I didn't know what they were planning. They said it was a party. We... Yeah, it was Patrick's idea. Dick, it was yours. You know, it doesn't matter. It happened. And what we did afterwards was inexcusable. I don't want excuses. What do you want? We'll see. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I'm Heath Lambert. Special episode today, my oftentimes guest, Chris, is here, but we have another guest as well. The writer of today's movie, which is Tamara from 2005, did I have that right? Yeah. Also the creator of the Final Destination franchise, writer of the first two of those, what else, Dead Awake... Some other ones. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into them. Oh, don't look back. Well, well, yeah, we'll definitely talk about that. Mr. Jeffrey Reddick. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. How are you guys doing? We're good. Let me, let me, I don't, I hate to ruin your street cred as a purveyor of, of dark and nasty things, but this man is a sweetheart. We were supposed <laughs> to, we were supposed to do this a week ago. And for the first time probably ever living in this house, my internet decided to just go out for an hour. And so with like two minutes to go, I had to message this man and say, I'm an asshole. Like, what can I do? And he was very sweet. And we rescheduled for this week. And then he retweeted a picture of my baby watching Shang-Chi. So I don't know. <laughs> he's just he's an excellent, excellent man. And uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Until I was late today just to show you that I hold a grudge. That's right. Payback's <laughs> hey, a bitch. So... Before we actually get into Tamara, Tamara, I know is it? I know growing up in the South as a gay biracial man or boy, um, it sh probably shouldn't be terribly shocking that you have made a career writing stories where preppy white kids die horrible deaths. <laughs> 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 or am I crazy? Well, well, you know, the funny thing is, I never. I didn't set out the, the, the ironic thing is because uh, this ties into like the recent push for diversity in horror films or any films. Um, I didn't I never set out to do that. Um, I think I will say that I think my fascination and my friend's fascination with horror films, you know, was a way for me to kind of deal with a lot of the feelings that I ha was having, um, you know, because this was. This was back in, in the 80s, which wasn't too long ago, 70s and 80s and 90s, when things were a lot different. People people born after that don't realize, even though the more things stay the same, the more they change. Uh, but from an early age, when I started writing films, like I was always about pushing like for diver like with Final Destination, I was like, you know, this movie set in New York, you know, the most diverse city in the world. And I was living in New York. So I said, let's make sure we have a diverse cast. And it ended up being, you know, all the all the team, all the kids were were white. And I think part of that was because they shot in Canada, so they did a lot of the production out there. Because I I know New Line itself was very aware of, you know, because money talks. <laughs> they were yeah. aware of of you know 
how well films like Blade and House Party and Friday were doing for them. So I think they were more mindful of it. But yeah, it's just the default, you know, for casting up until recently for the lead characters has always been, even if you write a different ethnicity for a character in your script, when they send out the casting notices, they don't specify race. And then, you know, the default for all the characters is just what they send in white actors and actresses for all the roles. Um, and it was that way for a long time. Again, even if I specifically wrote like a, a person of any race to be in the script, you know, nine times out of 10, they were cast as a, as a, with a white actor or actress. Or they would make you, did they ever try to make you like justify it? Like, okay, but why is he like, what's the story reason that he has to be Asian or has to be black? Like, you know, like, because they uh, no, exist? I would, yeah. <laughs> Cause that was, that was my argument exactly. And even when I, because it didn't happen in the first Final Destination, when I wrote the story for the second one, I wrote Kimberly is black, but of course, you know, and I love AJ Cook. Like I don't, you know, at the end of the day, you end up falling for the cast you end up with, but yeah, it's just, it's just, it's always been a battle until very, very recently. That's why, I mean, you know, anytime you have like positive, oh, sorry, my cat um, is, who's not to, who hasn't had her nails clipped for a while as a side, it's a him actually, he's decided he wants to play with my bare feet. Um, so if I start yelling in pain, um, just ignore it. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's just been, a, it's been a problem for talent, you know, and, and casting for a long time. And so now there, there's a strong push for it. And, you know, a lot of people, especially people who don't realize how recent this was an issue are getting like upset and, you know, there's kind of a backlash and, you know, they always use the, well, we, we went with the best actor or actress of the part, but it's like, no, you didn't <laughs> like, there's a lot of factors behind it. Like, how's it going to do internationally or how, you know, is middle America ready for a, you know, white, I mean, a black final girl in a film. So. Well, even, I mean, you're talking about new line in the mid to late nineties. I want everyone to remember that the spawn movie Mm -hmm. recast a black character as a white actor specifically because they were like, well, we can't have two black guys in this movie. That's crazy. We already have yeah. a black lead and his wife. Yeah. That's enough. We've hit our quota or whatever. Like that's crazy. Well, in, in the, in the technique in, in the real reason behind it was because you have for a film budget, you had to factor in how much you would make domestically and how much you would make internationally and internationally. The argument was that, you know, you needed the the white person in there for sales numbers because if, otherwise it would seem like a black film and internationally they didn't do as well uh there were certain stars that started breaking through that you know will smith being the you know probably the best example uh chadwick boseman you know but then black panther comes out which is like the blackest movie ever made with from character skin tones to to music to set designs to everything and um becomes one of the most profitable you know like i think it's number two or three of the the marvel franchises and people are like well that's because it's a marvel movie when you still try to argue with international sales and they're like i mean like yeah but it did better than all the other marvel movies and you know this weekend you know and they pronounced his name correctly in the film a hundred times and shang chi I'm, I'm saying it wrong i know it i saw it and it was great you know and that's going to be another you know, milestone for films as far as proving, cause you have to, you have to prove something in the business of Hollywood, right. 
before they start going, oh, maybe you're onto something. So, yeah, I learned I've been reading Shang-Chi <laughs> my entire life, and I just learned this weekend that I've been saying it wrong. So, yeah, yeah. that's 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 the white that I am. Um, <laughs> so, speaking of backing up a little bit, Final Destination 2, let me tell you something. I don't, every time I get in the water, I'm not, I don't worry about sharks. Every time I take a shower, I don't worry about Psycho. I don't worry about somebody stabbing me. When I go to sleep, I don't worry about Freddy Krueger every night. Every fucking time that I am driving down the highway or anywhere behind a truck carrying anything larger than me, I am petrified. And that is your fault, sir, because Final Destination (laughs) 2, the beginning, the opening, the big set piece at the beginning of Final Destination 2 has scarred me for life, I think. (laughs) The only reason I love that um well first of all let's let's say i probably saved a lot of lives because people have moved maybe people have moved from behind those trucks so i don't know maybe i should get like a presidential medal medal free or a humanitarian (laughs) award thank you um but the reason that that i love that so much is because originally i had a hotel fire for the opening they were going out to spring break and stopped at a hotel and Craig Perry, who's the producer on the film and one of the best producers I've ever worked. He's a great guy. But he was just like, you know, we just, I just, we need a big, we need something different. And I was driving home to, to see my family in Kentucky and I got behind one of those log trucks and I pulled over and then it hit me. And then I pulled off the road and I called Craig and I was like out of breath, like, what about if I'm going? He's like, Jeffrey, I can't understand you. I'm like, slow down. I'm like, what about you're on a freeway and there's a log truck you know, and the chain breaks and logs and he's like, that's it. And um, so that was one of those moments of like life inspiration, you know, so I always get to give props to Kentucky, you know, give props to Craig for like pushing to have like a better opening. And then the, the major props for that scene have to go to David Ellis, who directed it because he's no longer with us, unfortunately, but we knew the scene and we knew what happened, like, you know, her friends in the truck getting smashed and people dying. But David Ellis was a stu- uh, had worked in stunts um, on so many films that we decided to like, just let him design it. Like as far as like who dies when, like just let him do his magic on it. Um, and, and he, we knew he'd come up with something spectacular. And, and so the way that it pl- actually plays out um, that wasn't written out beat by beat like you normally do in a film because it was just like, mayhem ensues and yeah he just went to town on it so yeah i love that it's effective i think that's one of my top five openings for just a horror film in general that's definitely one of my top five openings me too probably (laughs) i don't think about it um but yeah again before we get into tamra let's touch real quick on you've also begun directing films as well you did don't look back last year yeah, yeah. How, how was that uh, experience after? Like, did you spend a lot of time on set? I know sometimes they'll bring writers in to be on set when they're making movies. How often did that happen for you that you actually got to be? Um, I've been blessed. It's happened a lot for me, but I've I've had to make it happen because uh, a lot of times it depends on the film, but a lot of times they don't want the writers on set once the director comes on board because they don't want any kind of weirdness with the you know, writer coming on being like, well, that's not how I wrote, you know. Um, but thankfully I worked at New Line Cinema for 11 years. So I was able to just very quickly let 
the directors know like I'm not coming on set to say I'm just coming on set to a, to sit back and watch because this is so much fun. So I developed a really good relationship with the directors. So they've all had me down on set and repeat visits when I've worked with you know somebody more than once. So yeah, no that that was that taught me a lot because there's so many different kind of styles of directors and it was a lot of fun. I had directed a short because I wanted to show people I could direct horror. So I took a character from Don't Look Back and kind of spun off a short around that character. So it was very horror based. Uh, but the concept of the movie is, you know, these people witness somebody being assaulted and they don't help the person out. And then they're outed to the public and a video comes out of them watching and something or someone starts killing them. So you don't know if it's a supernatural force or if it's a murderer. So I knew going in that I wasn't going to be able to show the deaths on screen because you can't, that would give away what's going on. So, you know, this one was definitely more of a mystery than a straight up horror film. So I, I knew going in that I was setting myself up for a little, you know, a little guff from, <laughs> because people expect, you know, blood and, and, sure. and viscera from me. But I'm, I'm gl really glad with how it turned out. I mean, we, we shot it, you know, we didn't have a big budget at all. Uh, but it looks like we had a, it looks like we had a decent sized budget, but it, we did, we, you know, we had a, we made a lot with a little and, um, you know, I, you know, we have some really great talent in there. And I think some of the, some of the creeps and the thrills, you know, are, are really cool. And, um, yeah, I'm just really excited to jump into another one. You know, um, I do want to do a straight up horror film the next time, just cause I do like murdering people on screen. Um, <laughs> But it was it was a really, you know, fun, educational time to kind of bust your your directing feature cherry. And I, I was trying to as that popped in my head, I was trying <laughs> I to saw like, you trying to I was trying to go somewhere else. And I'm like, I just can't come up with anything <laughs> else. I'm just going to say the most expected thing. Yeah, I saw you trying to slalom your way to a different phrase and you just couldn't. Quite get there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. All right. Let's talk about. Tamara. My first question about Tamara is, is this a movie that sat on the shelf for a while? No. Okay. No, we, I um, wonder, because I don't, and I don't mean this in an offense as any offense whatsoever, but it, it, cause it came out in 2005. It feels very much like a movie that came out in 1997 or eight. And I don't yeah. know if it's the styles or I don't know, or I, there's something about it that I was like, this came out in 2005. Really? Well, I mean, it did take, the movie didn't sit on the shelf. It took a, it did take a while to get the movie made. Um, but I wrote the movie because I, you know, after a while people were like, ah, oh, you know, they kept saying, bring us something like final destination. And then I would try to come up with another, you know, high concept idea. And they'd be like, oh, that's too much like final destination. That's not enough. Like, and I'm like, I, I don't know what kind of porridge you want here. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just going to go write a fun movie that I want to make. Um, so I've always been a fan of Carrie uh, and, you know, I've always, the, my thing with Carrie is like, I wish, I wish her telekinesis kicked in earlier and she could just start killing everybody instead of a, having to wait till the prom. Uh, so I wanted to write a very kind of sexual, you know, not sexy, sexy movie that kind of pushed the envelope in a lot of areas. And we got it set up and Lionsgate was going to put it out theatrically. But honestly, that was a, that was another film where the budget kind of went, was was lower than what we originally planned and then also they kind of pushed out on a lot of the stuff that i that was in the movie 
Um, and so when we turned the film in, Lionsgate was like, well, this isn't the R-rated edgy script, but we liked the movie, so they put the movie out. But it was it did take a while to get, it took me a while to write it after Final Destination 2, after I, because I, I, I turned that story in, I think in, yeah, 2000. And then I, Tamara, I wrote right after that. But it was kind of a throwback, obvious to Carrie and the bully, you know, kind of the bullying, which is a message that's always important to me, but it, you know, it also through Tamara, I got not, not that I wanted to be a sexy vixenist, you know, in high heels and a miniskirt, but um, I always love those characters. So I got to, you know, turn the mousy, you know, Tamara that Jenna Dewan plays, and I think she's wonderful. You know, you get to see this full spectrum of her being so shy and insecure to like, granted, she's got some witchy things about her, but she's now she's like, just saying whatever she wants to say and going, doing whatever she wants to do and kind of turning these kids sins against them, if you will. Yeah. And it does also, I feel like I'm being really negative up front. <laughs> no, dude, I don't, uh, my, no, I, yeah, I don't I do take like, things. I do, like, I do like the movie, but, um, it does yeah. play into my least favorite movie trope of all time, which is the, clearly, it's not my fault. The, I know what you're going to say. The clearly <laughs> very attractive girl who, that's not my fault. Because it's, I, the, she's all that thing, you know, which happens oh, yeah, so often. No. And I'm like, come on. Like, if you can't tell that that girl's beautiful because no, no. she needs to plug her eyebrows or something, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> And I would, and I, and the funny thing is, I, I told them from the beginning, I was like, we need to like make, you know, we have to make her up unattractive. Like, give her a hair lip, not that hair lip, you know, whatever. Fuck it. I'm not worried about it. Like, <laughs> Um, but we have to like physically make her look right. ugly because I, I said the exact same thing. You don't want it to be like, oh, she's got glasses on and now she doesn't and now she's hot. And but we couldn't afford we couldn't afford to do makeup on her. Um, so we were aware of that. So, no, that's what I'm saying. That's why I actually didn't let you finish a sentence because I knew exactly what you were going to say, because I was like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're used to hearing it. Yeah. Movie starts with a kind of a sexy daydream or daymare maybe i guess with uh tamara's unrequited longing for her english teacher mr natoli she's dreaming that they're just making out in class and then the other students are laughing at her and he's oh i'll never love you and then she wakes up but so clearly she's into her teacher this is touchy subject matter for even as especially now i think i don't know if you could even put this out with a teacher and you know but at the at the time even i imagine that was a little touchy of like oh this grown man teacher who's being having some sort of well he never kind of gives into it but the amount of time yeah. that we see a grown teacher and a student making out is maybe troublesome for some that is one oh. thing i was i was gonna say that i really i really loved about his character because usually in these movies like she eventually swings him around and he proves that he's kind of a heel. Whereas this guy, he stays solid the entire film. He loves his wife. He's, he's loves his life the way it is. He doesn't want to screw things up. He has no interest in this teenage girl. And, and I like that. You don't see that real often, especially in like horror movies, especially. Yeah. And I was, I, that was very important to me is that she wanted him she was in love with him, but he was never tempted. And again, she, you know, getting ahead in the plot. I mean, she has ways that she could probably push him over the edge, you know, magically. But 
I wanted to make sure that he was rock solid. And Matthew Marsden, who I'm, I'm still, uh, I haven't seen him in forever, but we're still very friendly and adore him as an actor. He did a great job with the character as well. And it plays into, I think, part of what makes this movie so interesting is that the hero and the villain are kind of the same, are the same character. Tamara is the hero of the movie and also the villain of the movie, which is, yeah. you don't see that very often. That's inter- That's very interesting to me. That she's the sympathetic character that we're with and we want to see her succeed and get her revenge. But then once she starts it, we're like, oh, please stop. <laughs> you've, gone too, <laughs> you've gone too far because some of these people got, didn't yeah. even do anything to you. And now you're trying to ruin this man's marriage, like really ruin his marriage. And like, so the shift that she makes is really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah it's there's a, a real nice dichotomy to her character where she's she's almost she's got two motives she's she's got the revenge on the the people that killed her and then she's at the same time trying to to win him over and seduce him and so it's it's not that it's like two plots but she's being pulled in these two different directions she's trying to accomplish these two things at the same time and it's really kind of cool to watch yeah and jenna i think a lot of you know that was the intention with the script is hopefully not to lose sight of the sympathy for her, but it's always, a, yeah, there is a line you start crossing, but to have her like, not just being like, I want revenge on everybody. It's like, she still was driven. She was driven by love to do all these crazy things. And I think Jenna did a great job of playing, you know, kind of flipping, you know, subtly while she was Tamara, like, or she's always Tamara, but when she was good and bad, like kind of, you know, finding all those beats to kind of play all the th- different levels ever. Yeah, it's Jenna Dewan who uh, most people probably know from Step Up. She was the lead opposite Channing Tatum in that right after this. Right um, I before? think I think right before. Okay. Um, she was also in American Horror Story Asylum season for a hot minute, and a bunch of other stuff. She's been around. She has. Tamara's in a bit of trouble at school. Well, she's in trouble everywhere at home <laughs> and at school. But at school, she's having a problem because she was encouraged, uh, and rightfully so, by Miss Nertoli, her English teacher, to write this editorial in which she has exposed steroid use amongst the high school athletes at her school. So now the jocks are after her in a big, bad way. The jocks' girlfriends aren't really into her either. Um, so she's getting picked. She's just catching it from all sides. And then she goes home and she's got this piece of shit drunk dad who's, we'll come to find out, has is worse than just drunk. But at first, you kind of feel bad for him at first. It's like, oh, his wife died and now he's raising his daughter by himself and he doesn't know how to do, you know, he doesn't know how to do that. And he runs a shitty little VCR repair shop, which, again, that was another thing where I was like, 2005, did they even have VCR repair shops still? <laughs> <laughs> In Canada, they do. In Canada, they do. <laughs> We're always a little behind. Sorry, Canada. But yeah, but then we'll come to find out later that he's into her as a father shouldn't be. So it's a whole nother. She's just not having a good life at the moment. So she gets harassed by the jocks who kind of smashed this necklace that her deceased mom gave her. We also learned that her mom was like a straight up witch <laughs> or something. Was definitely into magic and rituals and things. And she's tried to kind of carry it forward, but she's not very good at it. But that's like what's left of her mom for her. 
And of course, her dad's not having it. He's like, "Why can't you learn to do something useful like cook?" <laughs> like he's such a piece of shit. This guy. <laughs> I know. That's one of my favorite awful lines. But she, so she gets harassed by the two the, are they football, lacrosse. What are they? Football, I guess. Um, supposed to be football. Yeah. 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 And sort of runs to Mister Natoli to hide, kind yeah. of hide out, and um, very much misconstrues his comforting her as as a stu- as a teacher would to a student because again he's never i don't he, i don't feel like he ever crosses the line i he definitely maybe could have been more cognizant of where her head is at and not because he doesn't purposely lead her on but he you know he's touching her arm and like you'll be okay and you know trying to talk her through this and she grabs him and kisses him and he's shocked and is like whoa no 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 <laughs> this is not cool and so she's embarrassed and runs off but the main sort of mean girl, uh, Keisha, sees it, sort of, because she's kind of outside the room listening and sees and hears it. So she can't wait to run and tell everybody about what weird Tamara's done this time. Well, and she's she's dating the one jock, uh, Sean, that yes. is also after Tamara. Yeah, and there's Chloe, who in the locker room when Keisha and some of the other mean girls are really going at Tamara hard, Chloe stands up for her kind of intercedes and jumps in between was like hey why don't you leave her alone like why she didn't do anything to you i guess she did something to your boyfriend <laughs> that's neither here nor there that's something she should do because your boyfriends are bad news mr natoli is married to allison the guidance counselor they seem to have a really nice cute relationship that i like and i'm sorry to see it get <laughs> destroyed in this movie <laughs> they've been trying to conceive and not having luck with it is what we sort of gather from the, it almost sounds like she is telling him she's pregnant but but they're going to keep trying because trying is the fun part the jocks have are beginning to formulate a plan to get back at Tamara and this plan involves invite look if you're a nerd at the high school if you're the AV guy Roger and the nerds who are the nerds, the jocks who have never spoken to you before, come and invite you to a party, sir. That is a trap. That is a trick. <laughs> what do you you know better than this? You have to. But I understand that that longing for. Oh, maybe this time they see me for who you know. They right. do want to be my friends. That that longing for acceptance that overpowers your rational thought of like, no, I've seen movies before. This is a bad idea. <laughs> but they want him to set up some sort of. We don't know right away what it is. We'll learn. But some sort of... They need his AV expertise for this party, for whatever. And they're selling them on. There's going to be strippers there and all this stuff. And they also invite Jesse, who... <laughs> this made me laugh because Jesse... They don't appear to know Jesse at all. Jesse no, walks up yeah, and they're, like, new. they're yeah. like, who are you? And then... But when Jesse's leaving, Sean says... I'll call you with the details. How? You don't have his phone number. You just met him two minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. No, he knows he he knows Chloe. Um, That's true. Yeah, yeah, he knows Chloe, but yeah, he's new in town and he kind of kind of invites himself. Um, and Chloe is he Chloe's? He's not Chloe's boyfriend. No, and this is one of the wuss out, wuss out. But because um, in, in the script, Chloe was coming was coming out as a lesbian, so. Like there was a whole storyline when because Tamara makes their worst fears come to life, where her parents in the climax show up at the hospital and try to murder her. 
but they were like, oh, we can't afford the parents, so we're just going to lose the the her being a lesbian. Well, that was so that's why. Yeah, so that's why the um, relationship between her and Jesse is very sweet, but it it's like doesn't certainly doesn't play out like you expect them to like end up, you know, being together. It is, it is weird. You I mean you might assume they're together from the beginning since it because he's very handsy with her. Oh, right? since it was never established. He's but, um, very handsy when they're walking. When he's like, okay, let's like he's the way he's got his arm around. Like it feels very he's very touchy feely for a girl who is not his girlfriend. I don't care how good a yeah, well, you are. Yeah, that's why when she was a lesbian, I would have been like, oh, he's just comfortable because he knows, you know, because guys never want sex from from lesbians. Um, <laughs> oh, never. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. It's joke. wild to me. Jumping ahead a bit, it's wild to me that the studio or the producer or whoever thought, no, Nick's on the lesbians. We can't. But then later on, but having oh. the jocks. That gets quote, even unquote, turn gay. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah, we'll get to that when because we get they, to it. I, I, maybe because they thought that was funny. I don't know. That no, no, so weird. no, no. I'll, we'll I'll tell to, you how we'll that came it. about when we, okay. when we get there. <laughs> we'll get to it. I can't wait to hear <laughs> yeah, this yeah. because it's very strange to me. Yeah, Tamara has a framed photo. I don't know where she got this, but she has a maybe cut it out of the yearbook. She has a framed photograph of Mr. Natoli and his monogrammed handkerchief that she must have just straight stolen from his desk or something or his pocket. Well, he gave it to her and she was crying. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I miss, you're right. Yeah. So a very obvious, cry. very obvious monogrammed, like huge. Like. <laughs> for, for a public school teacher, like where do you, I know. Where do you need this for? You're not, you're, not at the, you're not at the fox hunt, sir. You're teaching English. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she's collected these things. She's attempting a love spell from a book that her mother left behind. And the crucial sort of, I guess, thing that goes wrong with it, as these things do, because magic never works out in movies, unless it's Harry Potter, is that the final step is requires her to sort of cut herself and shed her own blood, and she doesn't have the guts to do it. She's going to do it, and then she can't bring herself to do it. So that throws off whatever effect she was trying to have presumably. So at first it just seems like, oh, no, well, nothing's going to happen because she didn't finish the spell. But something's going to happen, just not what she expected because it didn't get the blood it needed from who it was expecting. Do I have that right? Is that yep, the gist of it? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> she gets a trick phone call as the setup for this horrible prank from Sean the Jock, who is Mr. Natoli. He's pretending to be Mr. Natoli with a cold, which is Come on, Tamara. Well, you're smarter here's my, than this. Here's where I here's my defense for that scene, because it was a it was a tough scene to pull off. He, he doesn't say anybody has a cold. He says a bad reception. Oh, yeah, I think. That's what it is. But because they don't know that Keisha heard Mr. Natoli tell Tamara that she'll find her place in the world, like she doesn't know that Keisha overheard that conversation. So he tells her, you know, they had bad reception, but he said, I, you know, I I told you that you'll find your place in the world, and I want it to be with me. So. She doesn't know anybody else heard that, so that's right. that's why she thinks it's actually Mr. Natoli. That's true. See, these are the things you miss, and we need someone like you here to set us <laughs> straight. So, Sean and what is the other uh, Patrick? That's the other Patrick. Patrick. Sean and Patrick and Keisha have set up in a hotel room. They have the adjoining, or not adjoining, but the hotel room next door. So they've put some they put some expense into this revenge because they've rented two hotel rooms, but they're rich kids, whatever. <laughs> but they have had 
Roger, the AV geek, set up a camera in the other room, and they have sort of a monitor to watch it on in their room. Chloe's there, Jesse's there, and Roger is there. And they are sort of innocent people, Chloe, Jesse, and Roger. I don't know what they're expecting, but Roger's expecting that a stripper is going to come into the other room. Yeah, they told him dancers instead of being in their room dancing they're just going to watch her dance by herself in the other or something but so tamra comes in and already like she didn't need to die like she's already like she's in like like a very nice like sultry dress like she looks good now like she didn't need to die to to look this good (laughs) yeah yeah no she looks great (laughs) and so she gets she there's a note or something that says um take out take off your clothes and get in bed i'll be with you in a minute this kind of romantic atmosphere set up. And so she does. So she's in just sort of her underwear, gets in the bed, and then Sean comes in, filming her, laughing at her, you know, very much mocking her, you know, oh, I can't believe you thought that Mr. Natoli would come. Like, you're ridiculous. How would you ever believe that? It's just really, yeah, it's bad news. It's bad, bad news. And in the other room, Chloe and Jesse and Roger, who did not know this was going to be happening, are like, whoa, this is this is not what we signed up for. This is fucked up. In fact, Chloe is yelling at them, like, go get her out of there. This is terrible. Is sort of trying to get out to go help Tamara. Tamara runs out, falls down in the parking lot, sees Chloe, and just and attacks Chloe. Like, because I guess she knows it's not going to do any good, I guess, to attack Sean, even though he's the one who deserves it. But she charges at Chloe, and a, a girl fight ensues, I guess. And Chloe's trying to calm her down and, and explain, like, I didn't know this was going to happen. But it winds up being a whole huge fight where the guys are trying to, the guys have to pull her off of Chloe because she's just, she's lost it at this point, understandably. And in the ensuing struggle, what winds up happening is she gets dropped headfirst onto a, the corner of a table and it and she's killed from blunt force trauma to the head now we have a now we have a problem <laughs> for our other characters or other students because they've well chloe and jesse and roger sort of the innocents here are very much like oh, we'll call the police obviously call the police and sean and patrick and keisha aren't into that because they're already having problems because of the steroid thing patrick says he has a record for something i i could guess what it is based on his behavior <laughs> later in the movie i'm not we don't need to get into it but he's not a good dude <laughs> he's not a good dude and are trying to they're trying to convince the others that like no we cannot call the police because our dna is all over jesse she scratched you chloe you were fighting with i'm sure her, her dna is on you too so obviously the smart thing to do here is to take her out in the woods and bury her, which like, it's also never works out for anybody. I don't feel like, but yeah. <laughs> um, and so, and Roger has a scholarship that he's worried about. He's crying. He's very distraught about this, but he does get convinced and talked into. It's like uh it's like teenage, very bad things. <laughs> We're going to. Yeah. And, uh, and Sean's pretty much like, if, if you don't go along with this, I'll just, take the police of you fighting with her, you know, and they can erase the rest of it or that, you know, and he said, I'll just say that you and Jesse set this whole thing up, you know? So that's kind of how he ropes them into yeah, going along. It's a very, it's our word against yours and we're 
we're the rich kid. My dad is probably buddies with the sheriff, and you you guys are, you know, the burnout kids or whatever. And the nerd, like, you guys will go down and we'll be fine. So just go along with this. So they do. They dig a shallow grave out in the woods and dump Tamar in it. And that would be... And then what's here's what's cool. I mean, there's a lot of things cool, but this is very cool. It doesn't... The next thing that happens turns out to be Chloe's nightmare, but it doesn't... It isn't set up that way. It's lined... The way that it's put together is you think that she's... I'm describing this terribly. <laughs> They've dumped her in the grave. They're burying her. And then the next thing you know, she's behind Sean or Patrick and rips his throat out and she's chasing everybody else through the woods. And you're like, oh shit, we're kicking this off. We're not fucking around. We're getting right into this. And um, and it turns out to just be Chloe having a nightmare, sort of remembering what they did the night before or a couple nights ago. But you don't get that cut of, because we see them burying it and then she's up. So it feels like, oh, this is just the movie. So that was done very well. So the next day at school, everybody's kind of just sleeping it off, <laughs> trying to deal with their guilt. And Tamara walks in like nothing has happened except she's had her hot girl makeover. She's, you know, not dressed appropriately for school, I feel. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, she has makeup on now and her hair is done now and she's dressed now and she walks with a confidence and a swagger that she certainly did not have before. And all of the <laughs> murderers and their accomplices are obviously shocked that she is walking around the school. And she goes straight to Mr. Natoli and goes to work. Like, she's immediately, I don't remember exactly what she says, but it's something about, like, yeah, like, but she like starts, you said she I just... was fine, but, like, now I'm perfect. Like, yeah, there's sort of a, a meeting of the minds outside of everybody, you know, of all the kids, like, well, Tamara's back. What is, how is that even possible? What are we going to do? Maybe she's, maybe she's cool. Maybe she's just going to leave us. Come on. Maybe she's going <laughs> to leave us alone. But she walks up to them and not even straight out threatens them, but is just kind of like, payback's a bitch and you'll get what's, you know, just hold your horses. It's coming. <laughs> like, don't, don't think you're getting out of this. So she gets, Roger dies first, which I feel is unfair. <laughs> yeah. No, that was my, that, that, now that one I own a hundred percent because yeah, you don't, when I was writing it, because I loved, because it, it, it is, the way that he dies matches up with the fact that he didn't say anything or do anything to help. But I do realize that, yeah, he goes th through, <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesomely gruesome and horrific, but that it's like, when you're watching it as a movie straightforward, you're like, oh man, he almost, he almost gets it the worst. And he was, you know, aside from Jesse and Chloe were, was the most innocent. So that's, that was something that when I wrote it on the page, it, made sense because of the see no evil speak hear no evil speak no evil kind of thing made sense but then when, when you watch it in the movie you're like oh yeah he really gets it bad but i also think the actor brought a lot to that character too where you kind of like him so much but it, still yeah i i killed the fuck out of him for <laughs> poor guy well it's not just that he got it worse it's that he got it first i mean maybe she's doing like a i'm gonna start at the bottom and work my way up idea but you think your number one target day one is i'm going after sean oh you gotta save you know? the you gotta save the worst for last so. yeah <laughs> put the fear into him first as he watches as everyone else die but yeah we and gotta... I, I do like uh i do like the fact that 
like right up until towards the end, like she doesn't, she, she makes them carry out their own punishments on themselves. Yeah. Yeah. There's, she doesn't really get her hands dirty <laughs> until you get to the, the final scene. And yeah, I, I kind of like that. It's making her victimizers, her victims and like using them and each other to do it. I liked that. I liked that angle. Well, I think for me too, it's like, you know, certainly I was bullied a lot growing up, but I think the best thing that could have happened is I had a very smart, strong mother who told me like, who explained to me the psychology around bullying at a much younger age than anybody else. So she's like, you know, I don't, I don't want you growing up to hate these people or think they're bad people. She said, they're just, they're ignorant and they're afraid of something they don't understand. So she said, I don't want you to judge them. You have, she said, you have to understand where they're coming from. And and that allowed me to find like, to start looking at the people that were picking on me and looking at their lives and saying, oh, wow, this, you know, this person does have a really shitty home life and this person's, you know, parents beat the shit out of them and this parent kids, you know, and it's, it doesn't excuse bullying, but you, you have to understand where it's coming from. Like no well-adjusted kid just says, Hey, I'm going to be a start bullying everybody. So I wanted Tamara to kind of find those, you know, chinks in their armor, like the things that they were doing to themselves that they didn't want anybody else to know about um, or doing themselves and using that against them. So it's almost like the dark thing that makes them bully others is going to come back and get them in a way. Yeah. She has new found powers since her resurrection of not only sort of mind control, but mind reading obviously as well, because yeah, she can sort of look into their, (laughs) the darkest recesses of them and find whatever their, it's cool because the the punishments that she sort of doles out on them is not only based on kind of their role in what happened, but also whatever their sort of dark secret is. Like Roger, we learn is secretly, and nobody knows this, is a cutter. Like he cuts himself because of depression or whatever. And so that plays into it as well. And he he winds up with the entire school watching on the sort of the, what would you call it, the school... The, the the AV system, yeah. Oh, the AV. I was going to say the PA system. That tells you how old I was when I was in school. <laughs> how long ago I was in school. The, you know, the PA system. <laughs> but the TVs in every classroom that they show the school news or whatever on. Um, mm-hmm. so the whole school winds up watching him. Yeah, it's it's see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. So he cuts off his own ears. He cuts off the tongue and then stabs himself in the eyes. He's locked himself in the studio, so... Natoli's trying to get in there and stop him, but he does not make it in time. And so Roger's the first to go. Well, because prior to that, he had been seeing, he's just kind of sitting in the AV room, and the recording of what happened in the hotel room starts playing uncontrollably. He cannot make it stop, so he's forced to watch the thing he doesn't want to watch. He's, like, pulling tape out of trying to destroy stuff, and it just it won't. It keeps playing, which is more sort of her powers, because obviously there's no rational explanation for why that would Oh, but before that, she makes him... She's telling him about like what it was like for her to be buried, how she can't see, and how there's all she can oh, taste yeah. is dirt, and he starts spitting dirt out of his mouth. It's such a, it's a pretty good. I don't, I don't. Maybe it's chocolate powder or whatever, but how you get, I'm not sure how they did that, but he's like, oh uh, yeah, the director out did dirt it. Yeah, and it did looks it. good. Yeah, yeah, they did a really fun job with that, with that scene. So everyone has seen that. So now the rest of our kids know that, like, oh, she's not fucking around like we're the threat is real <laughs> rogers rogers gone so they, they're like how can, how is this even possible we buried her let's go back to the scene of the crime and see what what is what like 
is she still buried there? And no, she's not. Despite a little, there's a quick little sort of a scare. And you said Carrie was a huge influence, and I can. This shows. Oh yeah. There yeah. standing at the grave, <laughs> and a hand comes out and grabs Chloe, and then sort of zombie Tamara starts to come out. But that's just Chloe having sort of a a vision or a you know daydream or whatever in the middle of the day. So that's not real. But but Tamara's grave is empty, which which is important because I feel like towards the end of the movie, the I the seed is kind of planted where you wonder if this is Tamara at all. Because there's some dialogue and things that I wondered if... It's it's important that we... Because there's stuff later where it's sort of implied that maybe what came back was never Tamara. This is something else from the magic that's just in Tamara's shape. And Tamara's not in there at all. So it would be a different thing if her body was still there. Then you'd be like, oh, okay, well, that's just a straight-up demon then. But the right. fact that her body is gone... Then you do have to question of, well, is it her or you know, how much is her? How much is the magic? How much is possession or whatever? Well, and, and this is where, <clears throat> as they're examining the grave, they find the page. When she went to see Natoli at the at the hotel room, she tore a page out of the spell book and put it in her, her pocket or coat or whatever. And they find the page that she tore out in the grave and it's covered in her blood. It finally yep. got the blood it needed. <laughs> it's just yeah. a different situation. See, I had to look at my notes better. Also during the Roger scene, speaking of good effects, after the dirt spitting out thing, she's like, oh, and you can feel the worms eating at you, and his arm breaks open and worms start pouring out, which yeah. is another good, like, it's a good look for that, for the budget, pretty good looking effect. Yeah, I think in the acting so that, you know, you always have to have the actors trying to sell it too. So, yeah, she kind of makes him relive what it was like to be buried alive. Well, not buried alive, but to, if you were buried, what would happen to your body? So that night, presumably, Tamara shows up at Natoli's house and puts the moves on him. Yeah. And is rebuffed again. She's coming hard this time. <laughs> like yeah, she's, she's really. There's some I, some right. of my favorite dialogues in that scene. Um, just because, yeah, there's a point where she she's like, look at me, look at me. And then she's like, it's getting wet. And he's like, what? And she's like, the table, because he's got a glass of liquor on the table. Then use a coaster. So, so I got to put like dirty. Yeah, I just got to put a lot of dirty double entendre stuff in there. But he is he is strong and rebuffs her. Probably hard to do. <laughs> not not uh, morally, it's not hard. If you're a decent person, you know, it's not hard to do. But you know, physically, it was physically, it was hard. It's probably you know, <laughs> temptation is there, as she says. <laughs> so having been rebuffed, she's now gonna go to the take it to the source i guess she goes to visit allison in the counselor's office the next day and sort of proposes to her a hypothetical scenario that rings a little close to home because he's talking about like you know oh i just I, God, i'm terrified of being like in my 30s and no kids and i'm married to a guy who maybe i can't give him kids so maybe he stops loving me especially when he's surrounded by hot young girls all the time so she's passing it off as like this is how I feel, but Alice, it's definitely cutting to the quick of Allison because this is everything she's afraid of, whether she will say it out loud or not. So something's going on. And then on her way out the door, she just flat out, like, all pretense is gone, all, like, suggestion is gone, and she flat out says, you'll never give Bill children. Bye! And out the door she goes. <laughs> and so now Allison is pissed because the only person who knows that they're having trouble conceiving is her husband so she goes to see him and is like hey it's weird that Tamara just came to see me and told me that we're having trouble conceiving 
So why would you tell her that? And he's like, I didn't. So, <laughs> you know, so now there's that wedge has been put between them now, thanks to Tamara. Working it. She's trying. Despite everything that's going on, Patrick is still going to have a party at his house, which is insane. <laughs> like, I get that you're like the dude bro, but priorities, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to have the party because that's where she's got to go get everybody. I get it. Well, I think it does, again, just reiterate how callous this dude is. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, he's anything. also bragging about, let's just, I'm just going to say it. He's a date rapist. I've been tra- dodging around it, but he's, he's <laughs> very braggy about like, oh, a couple of my special cocktails and the girls will be, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. And the party too, which again, it, you know, because he's, he's planned this big party for a while, but he, when the kids show up at the hotel in the, for the Tamara prank, they're like, this, this is your party. You know, like we thought this was going to be, and, and he's like, oh, no, that, that's the party we're having next week. And like, this is just like, we're just doing a little private party. So, you know, at Keisha at one point is like, doesn't feel like partying. And he's like, well, fuck, I'm not going to let that bitch ruin my senior year. You know, whether or not that's enough to make people say that that makes sense in real life, we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I absolutely believe that Patrick exists out there somewhere. <laughs> so there are many Patricks. There are many Patricks. This one is mine. Yeah. Here's where we find out that dad is you. Because Tamara is getting ready to go to this party, and he's kind of eyeballing her up and down. Not cool. Gross. And she, yeah, confronts him about it and is like, implies that since mom died, you've turned your attention to me. We don't get the sense maybe that he's ever actually done anything to her, per se. At least I didn't get that. Yeah, but, no, he's, he says chasing after it. She says chasing. Yeah. So I wanted to, I wanted to. I didn't want to get too too far with it. I mean, it's bad. It's just icky already and bad. Um, but I didn't want to make it like he'd ever done anything physically to her. But he was definitely has drinking thought, a lot and he has, getting a little too he has huggy. Thought of, and, he, he's thought about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Which means it's probably in the future because that's how these yeah. people are. But she tells him, you know, because all you do is drink, so go go while i'm out go drink all of it eat all your beer <laughs> which will come come to be important yeah she's like finish that bottle of beer dad the whole thing yes. and then um literally <laughs> literally yeah he starts he finishes the liquor in it and then he starts chomping down on the bottle Yikes! yeah now so we're at the big party Tamara shows up sean catches her at the door or patrick because this is his house and is like Hey, you're not invited. <laughs> Remember, this woman is back from the dead. But you're not invited. But she puts her, you know, charms on him, and um, both magical and real, I suppose. And next thing you know, Sean and Patrick are both dancing up on her, which Keisha's not happy about. Chloe's wondering what is going on. And she takes the two jocks into the bedroom. And again, because it's not only, because it's, what they fear most, but also their dirty secrets. So my question is, guys like this, I could absolutely see that the thing they fear most is, oh shit, what if I'm gay? No, no, that sounded, yeah. But it's also their dirty little secrets, so... No, no. Are they? No. So you, no. yes, please expound yes. on this. This this scene actually pisses me off the most in the movie because when I wrote it, and this, again, usually you get 
if you're getting nervous notes, it's from the studio. So Lionsgate had no issue with it. No, because what happened is Sean and Patrick both would drug girls and take advantage of them. So in the script, she's like, she they kept her dialogue the same, but when she puts them under the spell in the script, Sean start, you know, starts raping Patrick. Like it's a rape scene. And it's in the script where, she, you know, they've cast the cast. I'm on phone every day with the director. And um, they called me the night before they were shooting the scene. And they're like, well, how much do you want us to show? And I said, well, it's a, it's not a sex scene. It's a rape scene. So, you know, show whatever you would show if, if a, you were filming a, a female character getting raped. Like, it's not supposed to be sexy. It's supposed to be terrifying and violent. And they're like, okay. And then they showed me the footage of it. I'm like, what the fuck did you guys do? Because I said, you have Tamara make out with them, which she would never do. And then they start kissing, which makes it seem like they're gay now. And they're like, well, the I, I don't want to, there were, there were some problems. Some, some of the actors weren't comfortable okay. with the way it was written. And then one of the investors had somebody in the film that was, you know, related to him then he didn't want yeah so there was all this behind the scenes stuff that went into ruining that fucking scene because it, it was a violent rape and then when keisha comes in later and pulls the sheets back i mean sean is like fucking raping patrick but now when she pulls the sheet back it's like they're kissing but they have their clothes on under the sheets and so it's just a whole ridiculous scene that takes away all the meaning of what i what i'd written and then it's like the very next scene it's like oh but I, you know, you can have, you know, Tamara like opening Chloe or Keisha's shirt up and rubbing her titties. You know, it's like, <laughs> you guys are so like, it was, it was infuriating because most people have read that scene to be like, she turned them gay. And that was a complete opposite, complete opposite of what that scene was supposed to be. It was like, she wanted, she wanted them to feel powerless and taken advantage of and not being able to stop it. And so, again, it was very clearly a rape that I wrote. But then having her kiss them and then push their heads together and fall out of... I mean, it was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it definitely comes across like she is giving them <clears throat> what they've always secretly wanted, which is definitely not what you were going for. So I did, yeah. I did wonder about that. I was reading through reviews on Letterboxd for this movie. Oh, yeah. That's and many of fun. them, many of them called, call the movie very male gazy, and And I'm like... That has to be on the director and other factors because I that's not that doesn't sound like you, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I am a male, but um, yeah, no, it's not, but it's but it it's always the way that I wrote the script was very much for more of a like I think the only example of that I mean, of course, I wanted Tamara to come in like fuck you know full on sexy and empowered, but it's the scenes like with the Keisha scene like I didn't have her unbuttoning her shirt and running her you know hand down her between her titties i just like saying that um <laughs> titties so that was done you know obviously by by the directors and again after them chickening out on the scene right before that to then have them go like and she has a bra on so i don't want anybody running out expecting they're gonna see some <laughs> naked titties um she has a bra on but they make it a whole seductive like girl on girl thing and i'm like you wouldn't even let chloe be a lesbian Right. You guys are fucking killing me here. Yeah, and K Keisha has, throughout the movie, been very, how can I say this, boob-centric? <laughs> I don't know. Very boob. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. She's, they've definitely played that up. So I can see where people would be like, 
oh, a guy made this movie, but it's like, oh, oh yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but also in the background, there's, you know, other stuff going on. Yeah. The key. Yeah. The Keisha scene is the next scene. She has a She is, has an eating disorder that that's her sort of dark secret to uh, sort of like, okay, you've got this jock boyfriend, but to keep him happy, what have you had to do to yourself? And this is as gross as the Roger stuff is. This is the scene that's gross to me because I'm not a puke guy. I can't deal with it. The deal I made when I had children was I will clean every poopy diaper. Shit explosions all over the house, no problem. But if that kid pukes, that's your job because if I see it or smell it, anything, I can't deal with it. So this scene is rough for me <laughs> because Keisha starts puking up chunks of herself and bile and shit maybe. I mean, it's a mess. It's a mess all it's over a the mess. floor. Yeah, I was going for a little bit of the way I wrote it, it was it was going to be more Gates of Hell homage where she literally starts puking her intestines up, and and but we couldn't afford to do that. So sure. then they just made some really disgusting mixture of things that she pukes up and then lays down in for <laughs> Melissa's a, a great actor. Everybody in, in Claudette Mink plays um, Miss Natoli. She's, she's awesome. The whole cast is awesome. Chad Faust plays Jesse. Yeah. We, but Keisha was a real trooper laying in that crap. Now, I, I did have a question there. Is that, was that just something that Tamara made her see? Yeah. Because like they you cut away in the next shot and the stuff's all gone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she, she makes him, it was kind of like the, the coughing up dirt and the worm scene with she's okay. making them, she's making them see like a manifestation of what they're doing to themselves or, or what can happen. So that was kind of a magic thing and then yeah then when she snaps out of it she tells her that she's as my mom used to say to me every time i'd come home from living in new york you need to eat something your skin and bones i'm like mom <laughs> no i'm actually by hollywood standards i'm fat <laughs> <laughs> unless you're this big in hollywood you're fat so um so she tells her to start eating she's like your skin and bones keisha you need to eat more so then keisha goes on an eating orgy yeah. But only fruit and vegetables, if you notice, which cracked me up. <laughs> like, yeah, the, the purge is done. The binge begins. Yes. And she very uncharacteristically is in the kitchen just housing down <laughs> the, the veggie platter. And also her own fingertips at one point, because once they leave, she is still hungry, I guess. So she starts eating yeah. her own fingertips, which is the next level. <laughs> you can take that to us. <laughs> But yeah, so Chloe and Jesse have grabbed her and like, we got to get out of here because Sean and Patrick are like totally in sorcery. They're totally under Tamara's spell now. And she sort of made them into her goons at this point rather than straight out killing them. They decide to bring in like, we need to get Natolian on this. So they call him, explain the entire situation, which he believes. I guess they have the, they have evidence, I suppose, mm -hmm. at, at the very least by how Tamara is been behaving the last week <laughs> should be proof enough to him that something's going on and while he's off with them tamra sends her sort of mind controlled sean and patrick after allison they break into her house they're attacking her they've got a knife she's a badass though she's not putting up with this shit coming to my house because she gets, <laughs> she gets uh which one is it is it sean or one of them gets a screwdriver to the neck must be patrick that Patrick gets a screwdriver, yeah. Yeah, she stabs him with a screwdriver in the neck, 
and then Patrick with the handle of a, a shovel or she something. Breaks off, she breaks off like a, a shovel, yeah, and has a splintered wood and jams it in Patrick's stomach and yep. kills him. So, she so they got... He got penetrated, so that kind of ties back into the theme of See, they got violently penetrated. That's right, to death. right there. <laughs> but so far, so the body count so far is Tamara one, Allison two. Well, I guess counting yeah. Tamara's dad, they're tied. Yeah. So good on you, Allison. Well, yeah, and this, while this when... uh, no, go ahead. I was just going to mention because uh, we kind of went past it. Um, while they're uh, Jesse and Chloe. And Keisha are driving and they, they call Natoli and tell him, you know, you need to come meet us. Keisha gets on her cell phone and calls Tamara and's like, hey, they just called Natoli and and they, you know, there's they've got a plan and they like they're like, oh shit, and they knock her out. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. she's kind of mind controlled control. as well. Yeah, so that's why, yeah, that's why Tamara sends Sean and Patrick after Allison right away, because she finds out that that they're gonna tell Mr. Natoli. So she's like, All right, plans change it. Change of plans. <laughs> Timetable moving up. They also stop off at Tamara's place to, I guess, talk to her dad or to try to find something on her. And this is where they find him. Yeah, he's sitting in front of the fridge and he has eaten his beer bottle and there's glass sticking out of his throat. And it's pretty gnarly and deserved. I don't know. Fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. You do wonder, though, if he used to be a normal guy and if the death of his wife no, I don't know if any. You know, if you're that way, you've just always been that way. I'm trying to find sympathy for him, but it's hard when he's <laughs> a potential. Yeah. Anyway, so they take Keisha to the hospital to deal with her yeah. fingers and whatever else she has going on with everything she's eaten. And Tamara shows up. She has sort of mind controlled a cop who was at the scene of where was the cop at? Well, the, there's a um. She shows up at the hospital. Keisha, who's been sedated, wakes up out of sedation, and Chloe and Jesse decide that they're gonna they're they're gonna look for Mister Natoli because he's ran to see his wife, and then while he's with the wife, she puts a cop, the security guard that's posted at the end of the hallway, that's to keep wa- keep watch on Miss Natoli. puts her puts the cop under the, under her spell, so they start going after Mister Mister Natoli, and meanwhile, Chloe and and Jesse. Are looking for Mr. Tolley and they open the, an elevator and then Keisha's there with a scalpel and attacks them. Yeah, there's kind of a long extended fight through the hospital as they and they wind up in the cafeteria. Keisha's trying to give us a really cool death. She's trying to fry Jesse in the deep fat fryer, but he's too strong for her. She can't get him down. So she just stabs the shit out of him, which is a good Stab backup plan. Fuck <laughs> out of him, I know. Poor guy. <laughs> What if I mean if at first your plans don't succeed, go to your yeah. <laughs> but I like that. I like that, like because you you feel like you're thinking like, oh God, we're gonna get this. We're gonna you know, he's gonna get shoved in the deep fat fryer and it's gonna be gross. But then like, but realistically, maybe she can't pull that off. So she just yeah, she stabs him a bunch. Yeah. So I yeah I didn't mind that. So Jesse and Chloe have sort of a uh, a goodbye where he yeah this would kind of be his moment to confess his love for what or whatever as he's dying but he just says you're a good you're a good girl or you're a good kid or something like that which is like sweet that's like a sweet like friend thing to say i don't know yeah and that was that that tied back into you know the the original chloe because her parents showed up at the you know when they showed up at the hospital in the script when they showed up at the hospital 
you know, they're like Tamara told us, told us about you and, you know, you might as well just stabbed us in the heart, you know, you, you're dead to us. And then we're going to do the same thing to you, you know, as far as stabbing in the heart. And so they try to kill her. And that's when Jesse finds out that she was gay. So that's why he tells her she's a, a good person. But yeah, it kind of, when you take the other stuff out of the story, it kind of does change the meaning of it. But I think it still works. But it's still sweet. Yeah. 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 They made it work, but it, yeah. Because that's when you would expect the like kind of the cliched kind of confession of love. And I've always loved she's, you. She's extra sad because, oh, I didn't even know that he loved me. But, you know, just being like, it's just a nice friendly, like, like you're a good, you're a good friend. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. I thought it was a nice, a nice change. Mind controlled cop have chased the Natolis up onto the roof. So then they're, they're very, not back against the wall, but back against the <laughs> rooftop. Like they have yeah. nowhere left to go. And she's about to have the cop, again, not doing any of this herself, having other people do her dirty work for her, about to have the cop shoot Allison. And in comes Chloe with the, you see a lot, the, the box art is Tamra holding an axe. And Tamra does hold the axe for a hot second here, but it's not, she's definitely not wielding it, as you might expect from looking at the, as, at the poster. But Chloe puts this axe straight in her back to not much effect at all, because she just spins around and pulls it out. And knocks Chloe down. So she tried. Chloe tried. <laughs> she did her best. <laughs> and yeah, and here's where we have the conversation between, I think it, I think it's Chloe and Natoli and Tamara kind of are all involved maybe about whether, yeah. how much of it, like, are you even Tamara still? Like, did Tamara even come back? Is there any of you in there? Or is this some other entity just wearing your skin yeah and the one thing i should have set up earlier too is like tamara touches she touches people and that's when she figures out what their you know their deep deepest secret is or, or what's going to get to them but when she touched so she touches all the victims before she kind of puts a spell on them so when she touches chloe she starts seeing all the time you know that chloe defending her when she wasn't around and, and chloe sticking up for her so it kind of breaks through that kind of evil and rage that's kind of possessing her and then that like you said that's when the conversation comes up where you kind of realize that this is Tamara being brought back to life by this magic but the dark part of the magic is taken over her and you know so they almost give her a moment of like you can fight this but then as she starts decaying and she's like if she fights this then she's going to rot away and be nothing and then she's like I'm giving in and turning into sexy Tamara <laughs> <laughs> Sexy, powerful Tamara. Which, I mean, it's, it's better than zombie Tamara, I guess. Yeah. You don't want to, that's not the look you're going for. But yeah, she sees that Chloe's innocent and can't kind of bring herself to do anything to Chloe. She doesn't have, you know, she doesn't have that dark secret or whatever to sort of feed off of. And Natoli comes over and is trying to, he's like, I know you're in there. Yeah, this is when she's sort of rotting away because, like, it's not fulfilling the vengeance purpose. Somebody mentions the key sort of phrase here is that there's the bond because it was the love spell sort of gone wrong she is bonded to Natoli and as long as he's alive she'll be alive and so he does the heroic thing and <laughs> chucks them both he grabs her and throws them both off the roof <laughs> so yeah because their fates are, are bound so they take a header off the roof goodbye nice Mr. Natoli goodbye poor Tamara and I, I did love that one little moment there, especially for, I'm sorry, was his name Matthew Marston? Yeah. Yeah. Where he 
as he's about to do this, he turns back to Allison and just mouths, I love you. So, like, she knows, like, he's about to do what he's got to do, but he's doing it for her. Yeah. Yeah, he does, to kind of sucker Tamara in, he does sort of confess his love to her and kiss her to sort of reel her into, you know, his embrace so that he can trick her and so he can throw her off the roof. But, yeah, he does, you're right, he does... Give Allison the heads up that like this is part of the plan. Don't freak out. Which is not you're gonna be dead in a minute. It doesn't matter. I guess what your wife <laughs> thinks of you before you die is important. That's true. And that's the end of the movie. Well, I guess there's a there's a quick little scene where someone grabs the spell book or the pages from it out of the back of the jeep. Like yeah, right it's before Keisha. the credits. We see the bandage finger, so it's oh, Keisha. Yeah. See, I didn't even. So it's see Keisha that. that took the spell book. So you know, just in case there was ever a. Tamer too. I was gonna. I was gonna pick it up with Keisha, but also when Lion, because Lionsgate was gonna again release this theatrically based on the script. But in the and I love the movie. Like you, you asked me like to pick a movie, um, and I said that you know, or I don't know if you asked me to pick the movie or you were doing something on Tamer. I, I forget because somebody asked me to pick a movie recently. Oh no, I um, get my movies are chosen, and we'll we'll do it for next week here in a couple minutes. Uh, completely at random every week. I push a button and it picks from everything streaming. It picks a movie for me. Oh, wow. Tamara is the one I got. And I knew. Oh, who, so that's. And I was like. When you reached oh, out. Okay. I might as well. Yeah. I might as well see if he's into it. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah. Because people will ask me what my favorite movie is outside. And so even though I'm kind of telling you like the behind the scenes kind of things that got. Sure. Cut sure. and what kind of, you know, I joke like Tamara's like a, you know, a ABC family. It's better than that. But it's like a TV safe version of the r-rated movie that i wrote so so yeah we were going to get a th- theatrical through lionsgate but then when they saw the film they were just like this isn't the edgy you know when you when you see the movie you could be like oh wow if they pushed this and they pushed that this would be have been really like edgy and dark but it's still really fun it's like one of my favorite movies um outside of the final list one of my favorite movies of mine outside of the Final Destination realm, just because I, I got to have fun writing it. Um, and even though a lot of the kind of fun, you know, controversial stuff that I had in there got taken out, like, or would have been controversial at the time, like I just had a blast writing it. Cause I'm like, what I want to see, I want to see, you know, you know, the, the nerdy, you know, girl, you know, the picked on bullied kid being empowered and being able to say and do whatever they want. And, you know, ex- expose to expose hypocrisy, like how, you know, the people that again, seem to have the perfect lives. It's just the same thing in life. It's like, that's the problem with like, you know, politicians or religious leaders. It's like, they say one thing, but then they're doing the complete opposite behind closed doors. And then it's like, well, you can't really judge me when you're doing like a hundred times worse things on your own. So I wanted to kind of have fun with all that. But then I, you know, also, I mean, you know, especially when I wrote this back in the day, um, we've certainly gotten more, con- you know, we've gotten more mindful of how frequently assaults happen. Um, so I wasn't trying to glorify assault, but I was in genre films. So many of the movies are based around, you know, women being raped and then getting revenge. And even though we verbally establish that they have, you know, date rape girls in the past, like it wasn't something, you know, I wanted to shift that exploitation to have it, you know, to see the violence of a rape and have it be the two jocks that were perpetrating it. Um, but now it's turned into a gentle broke back mountain love story <laughs> the way they shot it. So um, I, I can see why you'd be bothered by that. 
Oh yeah, so, that one that one bothers me the most, <laughs> just because. Yeah. But yeah, I think I have kind of the t- same take on it that you do. Is that it, you can see the places where it could be better, and it could have really been something like super outstanding, but it's still perfectly enjoyable to watch. Not yeah. bad at all. So, yeah. No, it's yeah, a fun movie. I give it. I give it a thumbs up for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge horror movie buff and and i do have a soft spot for like the the late 90s early 2000s like that group of horror movies and so it was nice to see one that was like kind of from that era but was wasn't just the same fare as all the rest of them it was it was different it had its its uniqueness whereas a lot of them are just like i've seen this movie three times (laughs) all right well now is the time in the episode where I press the magic button to see what next week's movie, chosen completely at random from everything streaming, will be. Pressing the magic button now. Our drum roll. Boy, what I'm on a real horror kick the last couple weeks. I hope it continues. Uh, next week's movie is House from 1986. It is on Prime and Tubi. Not the crazy Japanese one. The the one with the zombie hand pushing the doorbell. Everybody knows that poster, right? Oh my god, that's so funny. Uh, Steve Miner directed that. He directed um, Halloween H2O. He directed My Day of the Dead remake, which is widely widely loathed. Um, I think if it was called another movie, it wouldn't be so widely loathed. But yeah, because uh, it's a fun zombie movie, but uh, not a good day of the. It's not a good Day of the Dead remake. But Steve Miner directed House, so I got to. I was excited to work with him. He's a great guy. Very cool. Yeah. So that is everybody's funny. homework for next week house from 1986 there's probably a bunch of movies called house so make sure you're getting the right one it's got yep you can't it's got <laughs> william's it's cat got, it's got yeah it's got william cat it's got a disembodied yeah sort of zombie hand ringing a doorbell on the front poster so and that's one i've never that's definitely one that me and chris grew up in a pretty strict christian home but we used to when the family would go to the video store we would always sneak off to the horrors and stuff we know we can't watch but we'd look at all the boxes in awe and wonder and like Oh God! I wonder what that's about, and come up with ide- uh, what we think it is, you know. And House is definitely one of those that we saw the posters and the VHS box for a lot. Yeah. So, and that's a horror. I, I haven't seen it in a long time, but that's a that was one of the. It was a horror comedy hybrid, so it came out just so you like you know going in not you know with the right expectation. But it was kind of a, it was a horror comedy, so it had like it. I'm actually going to watch. I'm going to end up watching it now <laughs> just because I haven't seen it in so long. I want to see if it how the humor holds up to it but um yeah but it's one we've never or at least i can't speak for chris i guess but in in the intervening years even though it was very much on my mind as a child i never did get around to watching it so this will be a nice treat whether i like it or not it'll be me too yeah it'll be I, cool to finally get one to it. i never did get around to and always remembered seeing that box on the shelf oh yeah somehow never got around to watching it so yeah i'm looking forward to that all right, Mr. Reddick, what do you have coming up uh, next? What are you working on? What's coming out? Any of that stuff? That um, yeah, no, work-wise, um, you know, I during during the kind of first stretch of COVID lockdown, like I I, I started I worked on a couple animated shows, so I got into kids' animation, which has been a lot of like actually really fun to write. So um, there's a show I worked on called A Tale Dark and Grim that's based on grim fairy tales and uh that's going to drop on netflix in october i'm just not ex- exactly sure what date um yet cool and then i also wrote on 
uh, animated show called, oh man, I'm, it's based off a, a Usagi Ujimbo, or Usagi oh. Ujimbo comic book, but it's called the Usagi Chronicle, it's, it's Samurai Rabbit, the Usagi Chronicles, thank you. It's, it, that's the, t the title got me a little tongue tied. So that's an animated spinoff. It's not an adaptation straight up, it's a spinoff. Um, that's also gonna be on Netflix um, next year. And yeah, I'm working in the kid animated space right now, <laughs> but never fear. I, I have a, a slasher movie, my first slasher movie that I wrote that I'm going to be directing, um, hopefully, you know, beginning top of uh, 2022. So um, I'm getting back into it. It's going to be rated R. So I'm going to get to have all the blood, all the blood that I want. So much blood. Um, it's going to be really fun. And I hear, I saw, are they... It's shocking it hasn't happened already, but they're making another Final Destination yet, and you're not involved in that, I imagine, in any way. Um, no, I mean, I, I still, I, you still I'm get a nice the, check, though, don't you? Do you still um, get, I a get check? It, I get it. <laughs> yeah, when I when they make a new one, I do, but it's funny because they were working on part six before COVID, but they were only in the script development phase of it, um, and then COVID hit, they had to put a stop on everything, and so now they're they're picking back up the development phase of it, so it's. It's going to happen, but it's always funny because every day somebody, not every day, well, pretty much every day, somebody's like, when's it, when's it coming out? And I heard it's already shooting and it's been shot. It's like, no, 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 development, you know, they're still at the script stage for it. So, you know, we still have to wait to see how the business is going to. Sure. Yeah, we're going to, we need to see how the business is going to change um, things till we, till we have a better sense. Because a lot of the studios are playing catch up on films that they had, you know, some films were shooting or were like, we're shooting next week and then COVID shut everything down. So yeah. everybody's kind of playing catch up, but there is a six one absolutely in development. This isn't just like t whisper talk, you know, like to keep people whispering. Uh, that that was another, I told you I didn't have any caffeine. So <laughs> my, my, my wit is on low. <laughs> no, you're great. Yeah, I'm glad we got to talk about a non, one of your many non Final Destination movies today. But that's always kind of the thing you're that's the people's go to when they think of you, right? But it must be Yeah. Which must be kinda of cool that there's this whole franchise that you sort of gave birth to. And it, especially since it's based on what I love about Final Destination the most is it's such a simple yet complex concept. If that makes any sense. Like it's such yeah. a I don't know how else to describe it, but the fact that the fact that you can get six or seven movies out of it tells you that it's this very the framework of it is so well put together that you can plug in different pieces and so it's it's complex the inner workings of it but the concept itself is simple of like what if you dodge death and it comes after like it's so it's just a brilliant and it's no wonder that they've gotten so much mileage out of it oh uh, they could have the 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 horror horror in me is like if this was a Friday the 13th, there would have been like 25 of them by now. <laughs> I'm like, it's been 20 years. Really, guys, you've only done like five. Like that's spreads out to like one every five years. Like, come on. But I think the reason that the movies held up so long is when I envisioned death, I wanted to make sure that there were no cultural or religious, um, specific religious um, concepts tied to it. Because I also knew how the international market works. And there's so many different people out there who either believe in a higher power and God and the people who don't believe. And so I didn't, I wanted to make death more of a, because we all know that we die. So I wanted to make death something that could travel around the world, but also 
anybody, whatever your belief system is, if you're, you know, it, it wouldn't require you to buy into that to get this concept. Like you could, you could make versions of this movie in every country and pretty much every probably religion in the world because death is just like, it's a four, you know, it's, it's just, yeah, a force. It's not like a horn devil, you know, or a guy with a sickle, you know, chasing you around and, or Tony Todd. No, well, <laughs> they, they, they've kept that intentionally vague. Yeah. So there is no there. I will tell you, like in my first draft of the script, the Tony Todd character was someone who had been through what Alex had gone through, where he had a premonition. So he oh. he knew that about this. I like how James and uh, James Wong and Glenn Morgan kind of flipped it and made him a mortician because that's somebody who's close to death, and then kept him knowledgeable enough that you don't know if it's like because he's so close to death as he is he death and i gotta you know you cannot mention final destination without i you know i i'm friends with devin sow i love him too he's my favorite final guy in of the final guys and uh but tony todd who i've i still remember when i saw Candyman. you know that movie blew my mind it's one of my top favorites and um and then i saw his other work and i'm just you know, was such a huge fan, and I was compl- I was complaining that there were none of that. All the younger actors were like white, like you know, the, this class from New York is all white kids. Um, the whole plane of people from New York is all white people. Um, but they kept when they were like, "What about Mister? You know, what if we got Tony Todd for Bloodsworth? I might or Bloodsworth." I was like, "Are you kidding? Me? Like, please, please get Tony Todd." <laughs> And um, so just as a fan, I was excited to work with him, but then I met him. He's like one of the smartest, kindest, takes his craft so seriously. I saw him do a one-man show on the first African-American to win a welterweight championship. It might've been a world championship or I'm not good with the sports. I'm gay, that's my excuse. Um, (laughs) No, but he did a one-man show that was over 90 minutes and it's just him on a stage and just tore it uh, like just own that stage for 90 minutes. I've never, I've seen some, you know, one women and one men shows before that are really good, but just to see like someone who you see get typecast in a certain way in a lot of films, but to see, I mean, he, you remember he's classically trained and then you see him on the stage and you're like laughing at the funny parts and you're like crying, but you know, trying to hide it at the sad parts. And then also sometimes you're just blown away by the sheer like presence of him. He's just, such an amazing guy and i i want to put him in everything but we keep we keep shooting these like you know a lot of my films now are getting you know we have some studio stuff going on but a lot of my films get picked up by you know it'll go into turnaround at a studio and somebody will be like oh we'll buy this and make it really low budget so that you know they're trying to find a part for him that's like worthy of his work um i will work with him again because i just love that man so much very cool well Thank you. Speaking of cool people, thank you very much, sir, for taking time on your day to be here for this. Of course. Where can people find you on uh, socials and and whatnot? Yeah, uh, probably the best place is Twitter. Um, It's my name, Jeffrey A. Reddick, with the at sign before it. I'm on Instagram, but I I noticed that Instagram (laughs) is more of a, you know, if, you know, do you take your shirt off a lot? And, you know, I'm doing this crazy thing, and it's like, I figure pictures of me at my laptop writing over and over again is just not exciting. So, but I'm on Instagram too. It's just, 
I have more followers on Twitter, so I'm on there more, <laughs> but I just don't have the pictures to put on. But um, yeah, hit me up on Twitter. I, I loved, you know, talking to the fans and, you know, other promoting and seeing, seeing, you know, people make a movie and it's like, you know, tweet about it. And then I tweet about it and check it out. And, you know, it's just a cool way to interact with people. Very cool. Chris? Uh, I am on uh, Instagram, um, mostly uh, pictures of me putting shirts on. Uh, <laughs> strangely enough, uh, at at, uh, at Project Nerd Shirt, and my Twitter is at nerd underscore shirt. And then, yeah, that's pretty much it. And I am, as always, at Heath Lambert 78 on Twitter. The show is That's So Random P2. The show has an email address, that's randompod at gmail.com for all of your complaints. And I mean, compliments wouldn't hurt either. Uh, yeah, if you're going <laughs> to... If you're going to take time out to complain, people take time out to co- I'm not saying compliment me, but compliment these guys um, for putting on a show every week and watching a movie every week because that does take dedication. Aww. It does take dedication. So I'll tell you what, after all this talk about it, I think I'm going to have to go watch Final Destination tonight because, God, now I just really want to. <laughs> See, I did, a whole, I did the whole franchise last for last uh, October Spooktacular where I watched a horror movie every night. I did the whole franchise last October. I was... I was actually going to mention that because I do the same thing with our sister Shannon, who's also been on the podcast, but one movie every day for 31 days in October. And last year we did Dead Awake, and I absolutely loved it. So I was going to mention that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't got to yeah, that, that was one yet. Fun. So yeah, I'll have to do. Well, that hopefully, one it'll this come year. up in your. It'll come up in your magic eight, eight your ed, magic movie eight ball. Well, that'd be something. <laughs> Chances <laughs> are, I mean, we get a lot of horror movies just based on how many are on Tubi alone <laughs> chances are pretty good of getting one but oh yeah I think all my stuff's on Tubi <laughs> and then what oh art for the show is by Joe Humphrey who's at Mr. Joe Humphrey on Twitter go check out all of his stuff and go check out Jeffrey's other stuff all his other movies look him up on IMDb and watch all that stuff because it's chances are it's all pretty good <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't say I've seen every single thing and don't look back is not easy to watch at the moment. It's only on a place that I have never heard of. So, yeah, you can. I mean, it's not free. It's uh, it's yeah, yeah it's on iTunes. Just... Yeah, it's on iTunes and Amazon, and you can stream it. But um, yeah, there's a. It's so funny because it, we, you know, it's the business part of it. We don't have any big names in the film, so we 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 didn't get any of the premium places to buy it the first round. But we got this amazing like all black TV, which is like focused on like you know films with black leads so they they got the exclusive cable window for 90 days and then i think after that it's going to go out to like you know hopefully be on the netflixes and the tubies and the other watchable stuff see and i just said a dumb thing because i'm so used to making sure that every movie that we get on this show is on regular streaming services just so that my guests and audience can watch them for quote-unquote free without having to shell out extra money but also, you can go pay for things. Like you can go if you want to watch. Don't look back. You could go and pay for it. There's nothing wrong with that. You can rent it. I'm sure it's like the 99 cent rental now. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, sir. We will let you go. Um, oh, okay. Yes. My pleasure. Thanks everyone, for having me. Everyone, again, your homework one more time for next week is House from 1986 on Prime and Tubi. So go watch that. Uh, on behalf of myself and Chris and Mr. Jeffrey Reddick, who rules. Uh, Have a good week. Have a great weekend.
Take care.